Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another segment of the Guardian Mindset Podcast. Thank you for tuning in today. My name is Attorney Eric Daigle, and uh, today we're going to talk about something that I think we're going to start talking about a lot lately, but it's, it's again, uh, an important aspect because there's a lot of instability, as we know. And so I'm going to start out with my quote, which I always do. And today's quote is by Azarius, A-Z-A-R-I-A-S, which says, laws are not invented. They grow out of circumstance. And the reason why I start with this quote is because what I want to talk to you about today is qualified immunity. And if you've been paying attention, qualified immunity has been a very hot topic across the country. And it's been a very misinterpreted topic across the country. And I'll be honest with you, um, a lot of the reform bills that we have seen across the country have dealt with qualified immunity. A lot of them attempting to ban qualified immunity. So let me just give you a brief real overview. If you don't know what qualified immunity is, is that in the federal system, when an officer or a government employee, and that's the key part, it's not just a police officer, it's any government employee is sued for a constitutional deprivation, there is a defense that is available and that defense is called qualified immunity. Qualified immunity comes from the Supreme Court case, Katz versus Saucier in 2001, and there's a two-part test to qualified immunity. And the two-part test to whether or not an, a government employee gets qualified immunity is, number one, um, are the facts reasonably alleged a violation of a constitutional right? And number two, which is the most important part, was that right clearly established? Um, and basically the way that we interpret clearly established is, would a reasonable officer in this officer's situation have known that they could or could not have done something? Now, if you watched across the country, uh, there has been a lot of reform bills and a lot of push to get rid of qualified immunity. And the allegation has been that qualified immunity protects officers who violate people's constitutional right. That cannot be further from the truth. The easiest way for me to explain qualified immunity in a five-minute podcast would be that what the law says is officers or government employees can't be held accountable for something that is not a law, meaning law enforcement operates under the guidance of constitutional interpretation. And the reason why that's important is because constitution is always and continually being interpreted. And therefore, the law continues to be developed. That's why we call it jurisprudence, right? And therefore, there are things that the law has not caught up with yet. Uh, right now, we see a lot on technology. It may be a certain type of weapon. Well, once that, a, a taser is a great example. Electronic control weapon is a great example. When the electronic control weapon first came out, the, it was issued out to the street and officers began to use it but there was no law on the subject yet. There was no interpretation of how using that weapon would be a constitutional deprivation. Well, that's 2006, fast forward to 2021, and there's almost a thousand interpretations of when and where and how the use of an electronic control weapon can be a constitutional deprivation. So, uh, it seemed to be this attack across the country that there was. Uh, a need to get rid of qualified immunity. Now, as I've been teaching um, with police conferences and chief conferences across the country, I've been saying, well, you know, it's very interesting to me because the Supreme Court has consciously not addressed the issue of qualified immunity. Um, the last time the Supreme Court 
addressed the issue of qualified immunity in use of force was in 2019. And there were a handful of cases that if you want to go back through in the DLG Learning Center articles and read, you'll see some of its history. In 2017, the issue of use of force and qualified immunity started with a Supreme Court case called White versus Pauley. And this was a case in which the Eighth Circuit, I'm sorry, the Tenth Circuit Court of Appeals said that an officer should have stayed behind a rock wall before engaging a subject. And the court came back and said, no, wait a minute, hold on. That's not the way that this works. Qualified immunity has to be a very specific requirement that an officer is supposed to do or not supposed to do. The officer is supposed to know about that requirement and has got to violate that requirement. So in this, in White versus Pauley, the allegation was that the officer did not give a warning. And the 10th Circuit Court of Appeals said that they don't get, the officer did not get qualified immunity. Officer White did not qualify, get qualified immunity. It went to the Supreme Court and the Supreme Court said in 2017, we will not find against an officer for use of excessive force unless the officer violates clearly established law. Clearly established law being a very specific rule that the officer is required to follow. The next case up in 2018 was a very important case, uh, Casella versus Hughes out of the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals. Uh, Casella versus Hughes is a mental health case. Uh, it was very important to our training and operations and is a case that you should take a look at when you get a chance. Um, obviously, the, when the court knocked down the Tenth Circuit and redefined qualified immunity, the Ninth Circuit didn't pay attention, which is not shocking, right? Uh, they didn't pay attention. And the Supreme Court came back and said, wait, this applies to you too, and says we will not find against an officer unless the officer violates clearly established law. In 2019, the last case was a case called City of Escondido versus Edmonds, and where the court again affirmed that we will not find against an officer for an excessive use of force unless the officer violates clearly established law. And interesting, and this is again a Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals case, the city of Escondido versus Edmonds. The interesting part was that the rule that was violated allegedly in the city of Escondido versus Edmonds was that the, the, the hum, that citizens in the United States have the right to be free of excessive force. Right. We all agree. Well, citizens have the right to be free from excessive force. Um, but that's not a clearly established law. That's not specific enough for the evaluation and the analysis. So uh, then the Supreme Court went quiet, and what came next was all the reform bills. And as you could see in your state and others in 30 states that passed reform bills, and also the argument that occurred in the George Floyd reform bill through the federal system, um, we see that qualified immunity was a big part of this, and the attempt to throw out qualified immunity was the big part of it. Now, again, I, I'm a simple person, ladies and gentlemen. I'm, I'm a simple person. And one of the things that I just can't get my mind around is how do you throw out Supreme Court law? I mean, who is, what right does a legislature have to throw out Supreme Court law? And I've had this conversation with different legislatures across the country and I asked them the question, hey, what right do you have to throw out Supreme Court law? And the response I've gotten multiple times is, well, we can make our state more uh, we can narrow the or narrowly tailor the law 
to provide our citizens in the state of X more protection. And I said, well, I'm not going to say that the law doesn't allow you to narrowly tailor a law more specific than the Supreme Court, because it does. We all know that. But what does it do when you throw out the application of the qualified immunity in this area? And so in, 2000, in uh, 2020, there was eight cases that went to the Supreme Court requesting writ of certiorari for a review of qualified immunity, and the court rejected them all. And in 2021, there was six cases in the last uh, session that the court rejected uh, for analyzing a qualified immunity. And what I've been saying on the road is that I've been saying, listen, um, I think they're waiting. I think they're waiting until December 31st, 2021, when the George Floyd Reform Act dies. Now, there's an interesting part of this, which is just about a month and a half ago. So in the end of uh, end of August, early September, the they took the issue of qualified immunity off the table in the George Floyd Reform Act. They said that this is not going to be a, a subject of the Reform Act. And I think that was good enough for the court because what we know is that on October 18th, 2021, the Supreme Court fired two rulings on qualified immunity, something they hadn't done since 2019. And it's pretty clear that they didn't like the people messing with qualified immunity. And so let me review those two cases quickly with you and give you some information. So the first case is a qualified immunity case, Supreme Court opinion from October 18, 2021, and that is Rivas Villegas versus Saluna. And this is one of two cases that the court uh, issued two per curiam decisions. Um, a per curiam decision, by the way, is a by the court opinion, referred to a decision made on behalf of the entire court without a particular judge or justice's name attached to the opinion. So what do you think they're trying to say here? This is not Judge Alito writing it. This is not Judge Sotomayor writing it. This is a per curiam, which means the, uh, the opinion is the opinion of all of the justices. The one thing about per curiam uh, decisions, which is going to give me the ability to talk about them, is that the decisions tend to be short and on the point. And they usually concern issues that the court does not consider to be controversial or require extensive debate. So let's take a look at that. Do you think qualified immunity is controversial? I'm going to go with yes. So I'm going to go with the second part, which is they don't consider it requiring extensive debate. It is important to note that per curiam does not indicate that it's a unanimous decision. So let's start with the first case, uh, the Villegas case. In this case, the United States Supreme Court reversed a Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals decision which denied qualified immunity to a police officer who briefly placed his knee on a suspect's back while handcuffing the, subs the suspect and removing a knife from his pocket. The trial court granted summary judgment on the basis of qualified immunity, and the Ninth Circuit reversed that decision. The Supreme Court in this case reversed the Ninth Circuit, stating that officers are entitled to qualified immunity because they did not violate clearly established law, and that neither Coraluna nor the Court of Appeals identified any Supreme Court cases that address facts like the ones at issue here, which is, again, very, very important. Again, the courts come back to say officers are entitled to qualified immunity unless they violate clearly established law, and those clearly established law must be supported by facts. 
So here's the facts of this case. Officer Danielle Rivas Villegas is a police officer at the Union City, California Police Department. Officer Villegas responded to a 911 call from a crying 12-year-old girl reporting that a woman and her two children were barricaded in a room out of fear that the woman's boyfriend, Raymond Cortezluna, was going to hurt them. The caller also confirmed that there was no other way out of the house for the barricaded trio. The caller reported that Cortezluna was trying to hurt them with a chainsaw and that Cortezluna was always drinking, had anger issues, and was really, really mad. Although the 911 operator confirmed that they had heard sawing in the background, and thought that Cortezuna might be using a saw on the door to the barricaded room, officers arrived on the scene and through a window observed a man that matched Cortezuna's description. As Cortezuna presented himself to the officers, one officer on the scene stated, he's coming and he has a weapon. Another officer speaking amongst the officers on the scene stated, use less lethal, which was referenced as a beanbag shotgun, during this exchange, Cortezuna was told to drop the weapon that he was holding in his hand, which was a metal tool. Cortezuna then was told to exit the house by walking towards the officer with his hands up. Cortezuna was told to stop and get to his knees, which he did approximately 10 feet from the officers. While being observed by the officers, another officer on the scene saw a knife sticking out of Cortezuna's front left pocket and notified other officers on the scene saying, hey, he's got a knife in his left pocket. Cordozuna was ordered to keep his hands up. However, at one point, he lowered his head and his hands and was shot twice by a beanbag shotgun, once in the stomach and once in the left hip. Cordozuna then raised his hands, raised his hands back up and was ordered to lay on the ground, which he did. As he did this, Another officer on the scene again reminded the other officers about the knife in Cortezuna's pocket. Officer Villegas then approached Cortezuna to place him under arrest. As he did so, Officer Vegas placed his right foot on the ground next to Cortezuna's right side with his right knees bent at the knee. He placed his left knee on the left side of Cortezuna's back near where Cortezuna had a knife in his pocket. He raised both of Cortezuna's arms up behind his back. Officer Villegas was in his position for no more than eight seconds before standing up while continuing to hold Cortezuna's arm. At this point, another officer, who had just removed the knife from Cortezuna's pocket and tossed it away, came and handcuffed Cortezuna's hands behind his back. Officer Villegas lifted Cortezuna up and moved him away from the door. So. Mr. Cortezuna brought lawsuit under 42 U.S.C. Section 1983, claiming that Officer Villegas used excessive force in violation of the Fourth Amendment. The lower court, the district court, granted summary judgment for Officer Villegas, but the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals reversed, stating that Villegas is not entitled to qualified immunity because existing precedent put him on notice that his conduct constituted excessive force. Huh. Interesting. What? would that be? What, what precedent put him on notice that his conduct constituted excessive force? Well, let's take a look at the Ninth Circuit decision that they believed put a precedent in place to Officer Villegas. Then in looking at the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals decision, the court relied on the case of Lalande versus the County of Riverside, where it stated that these cases 
involved suspects who were laying face down on the ground and were not resisting either physically or verbally, or whose back the defendant officer leaned with a knee causing alleged significant injury. The Ninth Circuit used this opinion to demonstrate that the actions taken by Officer Villegas were therefore constituted as unacceptable use of force. Well, you know the Supreme Court's going to have an opinion on this, right? Well, the United States Supreme Court distinguished this matter from Lalande by discussing the facts of that case. After refusing to let officers into the apartment, officers threatened Lalande with obstruction of justice and entered the apartment anyway. One of the officers knocked the sandwich from Lalande's hand and grabbed Lalande by his ponytail, knocked him backwards to the ground. Additionally, a scuffle ensued, and Lalande was pepper sprayed, and then he ceased resisting and was laying face down on the floor. One of the officers deliberately dug his knee into Lalande's back with a force that caused him long-term, if not permanent, back injury. The Supreme Court continued to distinguishing Lalande from the case before it, which is the case of Cortalazuna, by noting that Lalande was a noise complaint, where Cortalazuna was a domestic violence complaint involving barricaded victims and a chainsaw. Cortalazuna was armed, Lalande was unarmed. Officer Villegas placed his knee on Cortalazuna's back for no more than eight seconds, while in Lalande, the officers testified that he deliberately dug his knee into Lalande's back when Lalande possessed no weapon and never threatened the police. The United States Supreme Court stated that the facts of these two cases are materially different, so as not to clearly establish any statutory or constitutional right that would have placed officers on notice that their conduct was prohibited and violated those rights. As the Supreme Court has previously stated, precedent involving similar facts can help move a case beyond the otherwise hazy borders between excessive and acceptable force, and thereby provide an officer with notice that a specific use of force is unlawful. The court previously stated that the analysis as to what constitutes clearly established must be undertaken in light of the specific context of the case, not as a broad general proposition. The court continued that neither Lalande nor any other Supreme Court case is sufficiently similar to the facts of Cortozuna, and therefore granted summary judgment for Officer Villegas. When discussing qualified immunity, it is important to remind ourselves of the legal requirements as the court stated in Cortozuna. Qualified immunity attaches when an officer's conduct does not violate clearly established statutory or constitutional rights of which a reasonable person would have known. The court has repeatedly stated that a right becomes clearly established when a reasonable officer would understand that the conduct they are engaged in violates that right. The court has also repeatedly stated that this legal analysis is not conducted in the broad and general terms, but rather with specificity as to the context of the situation at hand. Further. As it relates to use of force situations, the general parameters of Graham versus Connor must be met. The severity of the crime, the immediate threat posed by the subject, and whether the subject was actively resisting. However, as the court stated, the Graham standards were considered general standards. Therefore, 
In only the most obvious of cases does Graham versus Connor clearly establish acceptable behavior. In most cases, such clearly established conduct must be identified in other cases that specifically identified that behavior that would signal to an officer the type of specific conduct which was prohibited. In Cortalazuna, the Supreme Court commented that neither Cortalazuna nor the Ninth Circuit cited any such case that would have put Officer Villegas on notice that his conduct was prohibited. So, what's my takeaway? Well, in the next segment, we'll talk about the second qualified immunity case. But as we end this segment, I want you to remember the key points as it applies to qualified immunity. Remember, in in all, by the most obvious use of force standards, the determination as to what is clearly established law is based on the specific facts of the situation. That means that in any use of force situation, the facts that you articulate in your report, along with why you took the actions that you took, will be crucial and critical in the court analysis that will ensue. This is the first of two cases, and I got to tell you, I'm really, really happy. Because the key concept here is that the Supreme Court is willing to double down on its issue of qualified immunity and make sure that officers understand that it is not a defense that prohibits them from being found liable for doing misconduct, but rather it's a defense that protects officers when the law is not clearly established as to what they're supposed to do and how they're supposed to do it. There's a reason why we put out a legal update every Tuesday, and that is that it's very, very important for you to understand what you should do and when you should do it. And the only way that you can understand that in law enforcement is to ensure that you continue to get your legal updates on these issues and clearly understand the legal updates on these issues. It was great to hang out with you again today, and I'll end as I always do. Help those who need your help, protect those that need your protection, and most importantly, Keep yourself and others safe. Thank you.